always had a struggle in my mind, even when I was in school in the 70s, why did schools and colleges didn't come in down in the hood like that? You know, they didn't come around here. And, and we, was never, we was never taught that we could be great like that. The words of Glenville High School coach Ted Ginn Sr., the deeply religious man who rose from the ranks of security guard to coach to, in 2007, founding a charter school, the Ginn Academy in Cleveland, Ohio, to guide at-risk young men onto a better path in life. While he has guided celebrated athletes such as Heisman Trophy winner Troy Smith, Cardale Jones, Marshawn Lattimore, Dante Whitner, and his own son, Ted Ginn Jr. of the Saints, he has truly touched the lives of so, so many, all because Ginn himself raised his early years in Jim Crow South in Louisiana, seeing firsthand segregation, wanted inner city kids to have a better chance than he had. And did I mention he is a warrior, a prayer warrior, getting guidance from above even in recent years as he has dealt with pancreatic cancer. This man should be dead, but he told me he was blessed to have this disease because ultimately the kids needed to be served even better. Here's what he said about that as we chatted in his office. I knew that I was struggling with people coaches and different things, people around me, around the kids, but I thought I could say them. So God said, mm -mm. So he gave me that so that he can squeeze out of those people what's really in their heart. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Tellage Talks. Ted Ginn Sr. has said he went from picking cotton in the South to picking colleges. He has helped so many young people earn the opportunity to go to college, and after that, many have gone to the pros and succeeded. One of the biggest days each year for Ted is signing day, when he can proudly see many young people realizing a dream, a dream of going to college. It's a dream he never realized, but his college, his mentoring with young people is a 365, 24-7 kind of a thing. He went from well, a machinist, to a volunteer coach, to a security guard, to a head coach, to convincing others that an academy would better serve some Cleveland youth. And that was where I caught up with Ted on the east side of Cleveland. Here's my conversation with the soft-spoken but driven man. Give me the biggest reason as to why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, well, my biggest reason is because... You know, somebody helped me, you know what I'm saying? And I started out, so I want to help somebody else, you know? And I understand basically why I'm here, because God put me here, you know, and gave me a duty. And and that's what I have to do. You know, if I wanted to get out, I couldn't. But it's just, I just, it's, 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 um, it's one of the greatest occupations that you can have to be able to in, to influence somebody mm -hmm. and give them and change their life and 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 leave an impact in them so you can leave an impact in the world. So it's one of the one of the 
best situations to be in. And I don't have a job. You know, I What do, would you call this? I, I call it, you know, it's not a job, man. You know, people ask me sometimes, well, when you going to say, retire to what? I can't. I'm doing what I want. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, you know. If I wanted to get out, I couldn't, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, because it's God's, it's God's will that I have to stay and do. How did you recognize, though, that this was the direction you had to take? I mean, it wasn't like you were thunderstruck from above, or was it silent prayers, or this just kind of came to you? Well, like I said, probably early on in my life when I was young and a coach brought me along because I didn't understand. I didn't even realize what mentoring was. Tell our listeners, this would be James Hubbard, correct? That would be James Hubbard, right. You know, I lost my mother in 1976 and I remember him calling me and telling me to come down to the field. Uh, I went to Louisiana and buried my mother and and, uh, came back, you know, now I'm the only child in the house. I don't, you know, I don't know what I'm gonna do, you know, but I had a job and uh, he told me to come down to the field and and he'll teach this boy how to snap this ball. Okay. You know, that's how he started out. And um, and he said, so I said, okay, I did it. And he said, I'll see you tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I was working, you know, in industry at the time. So every day I got off, he'd tell me to come back the next day. I said, then he had me cleaning up the bathrooms. He had me clean up the locker room. He told me to, I'll see you tomorrow. You know, back then, you know, you didn't question what, a, what, what your the adults said, you know, you just did what they told you to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you, you know, we had a different type of obedience then. You know, you do what, what grown folks tell you to do. So I did it, but I was always questioning my head, why you got me <laughs> keep coming down here, you know? So after a while, I figured it out that he wanted me to stay close because he didn't want me to go astray. He knew I had lost my mother. And that's how I started in 76. And... I volunteered from 76 to 86, so I, I I saw that the impact that he had on me, and then he saw that he made me have an impact on kids. So I saw, I said, wow, this is, this is something, you know, so I, I started loving it, you know, but it, it just came, and I guess that's just God's way of putting me in position mm-hmm. to do what he want me to do. And... Um, I did it. I volunteered for that 10 years. And then after that, <clears throat> I was hired in 86 as assistant coach and still wasn't working in the district. I was still in industry. Got laid off in the 90s. Where were you working uh, before? Warner, Swayze, and okay. then I went to Cleveland Pneumatic. Okay. So I got laid off in Cleveland Pneumatic. You're like a machinist. Like, machinist, that's what I was. And I got laid off in 89 and uh, in 90. And... I said, and then it goes back again to mentoring. You talk about Coach Hub and, you know, Mr. Cohut and all those people was was like my teachers and stuff when okay. I was in 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 high school at Glenville. And uh so I went in business for a year and I remember Mr. Cohut said, Now you tired of being in business in this little uh beverage store? So yeah, so he got me a job as a security guard. In the, in the district, and that's how I got into the district. But I was still coaching. 
But when I, but as I went along and I saw everything that was going on with our kids, you know, just I didn't want kids to live like I had to live. You know, just me and my mother, and I kind of like, dang, I can be an influence over them. And I saw that. And I started making kids believe, but I've always had a struggle in my mind, even when I was in school in the 70s, why did schools and colleges didn't come in down in the hood like that? You know, they didn't come around here. And and we was never we was never taught that we could be great like that. You know, we people back then would just say, Go, go get you a diploma get a job, go to work, or go to school. You know, nobody, you know, go get you a trade or something like that. That's just the way it was. That's the way it was. You know what I'm saying? So, but the, I always struggle with why we got to go to Steubenville and get beat up, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, back then. And what is the difference in our team and those teams? And uh, and it's just, just understanding and knowledge okay. and development, you know, uh, and that's what I started learning in, in by being a coach. And, and, and then I saw the impact that I had on kids that I, that I could really teach them so they wouldn't have to live like me and saw their struggles. I had some of the same struggles like anybody else, you know. So it kind of started like that. And then I, when I, in 97, uh, when Coach Hub uh, retired, they really made me be the coach. I didn't want to be the coach. I just wanted to keep doing what I was doing. There was no decision. They just said, They said, no, you're going to be the coach. Good luck, buddy. That's right. (laughs) But then, you know, then you got grievances and different things came up because I wasn't a teacher. I didn't have a degree, you know. But How much pushback did you get initially because of that? Where this guy didn't come up the quote unquote conventional way. Well, you know, I, I, I always get pushback. It's like I get pushback today. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's Mr. Pushback. Yeah. I mean, that's going to always be that because that bothers people, you know, uh, for whatever reason. You know, if you got a degree and you got whatever you got, I'm, I'm cool with that. You know, it don't bother me. You know, I, I, I learn by living. You know, so it don't, none of that bothers me. Um, but at that time, you know, people filed grievances. But the principal, Lincoln Harden, had made up his mind because he saw me work in the school with the kids for years. And, you know, uh, you know it, it don't make a difference. I was mentoring. See, the power of mentoring is so strong. And people talk about it all the time, but do they really do it? You know what I'm saying? You know, I a lot ask of people, people talking the talk. Yeah, but they don't. They're not really mentoring. Mentoring is every day. Every day. Every day. It's not no. I said, well, so like I meet people to say, well, I, you know, I mentor the kids. I said, what do you do? He they say, well, you know, I want some money. I go get my kid and I take him to the movie. Go get him a ice cream or whatever. And I sit down and talk to him about like, I said, that's not mentoring. That just make you just doing something to make yourself feel good. You know what I'm saying? Mentoring is every day, you know, and and I base my life on on that, and I base my school on that. So and and that's why here is different. But anyway, in '97, when I became the head coach, the first thing I did was start the FCA Fellowship of Christian Athlete to make sure that we get a spiritual base. 
that was some of the problems. That's your foundation, no? That's the foundation. But that's some of the problems of of faith and belief. You know what I'm saying? That we can be great. We can be like the other teams. We can go to college. We can do all of that. You know what I'm saying? So you start there. And and then I started knowing that the nutritional values, the the physical stuff, we weren't strong enough. Um, the the lack of 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 belief, meaning listening to the outside world. Telling you you telling can't you do. Telling you can't do. Gotcha. And then it's a danger in hearing. So I had to shut that off. You know what I'm saying? And start keeping us close. So I started running a school inside of Glenville myself with my football team and, and making them um, report to me every day. So I, re- I charted them in attendance, their behavior, and their academics. So I started doing that with the football team to make sure they're eligible, make sure they understand, make sure you can keep, you know, come to school on time. All so I started doing that. I said, wow, this is good. You understand? Because we were struggling in those areas. And so those are the areas that I would implement myself as the mentor. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a football coach. I'm mentoring daily, you understand, to have a football team. If I didn't do this, I wouldn't have one. Now, all the years I've known you, you don't really talk that much about coaching. Never. You talk about influencing that's mentoring. Right. That's right. That's it. I mean, we call it, that's what it is. And now, that was back then uh, when, when life was different. When you did have parents and the families was was together, but the day's time, the families are broken. So now we got a real big problem. Now the most important entities is a school, is a team, a coach, or a church to make a difference in people and leave an impact in the world. I don't know no other position, no other job, nowhere else you can go that you can do something to, to better the world. What is, where is that? So in teaching, whether you're teaching football, math, science, social studies, English, whatever, you are the most important people in the world because now you are replacing the family. Mm-hmm. Everybody not willing to do that. You know what I'm saying? Because they think it's somebody that well, where's your mama? Where's your daddy? Well, that's over with. You know, that you'll hear me talk about the table all the time. Nobody's sitting at the table. Everybody is out doing what they're doing. Nobody, you know, we had to sit at the table in the morning. At a certain time, you knew you, you, you had to be there. You couldn't ever negotiate the you had table. You to be accountable. That's right. And at the table, your daddy or your mother or your grandparent yeah. was giving you direction. Then they send you off to school. In the afternoon, you had to repeat that same thing for dinner. You understand? But back then, they called it supper. You know what I'm saying? They don't use that word no more. You know what I'm saying? And you you had the same directions. You know what I'm saying? You had, you had structure. And, and that's where you was taught your core values. We have to replace that table through what we do in education. It's missing, re- no? No doubt. See, we have to replace that. That's what a school is. That's what a church is. So everywhere you go in the world, you got to have somebody that's going to replace the family. You kind of did that for a lot of young guys. Um, yeah. Let's go back to your bus tour that you started mm-hmm. to get these kids exposed to what's out there, what could be much further in their expectations no from doubt. just 
at Glenville High School in right. Cleveland, Ohio. Well, uh, the bus tour is cover a couple of things. First of all, they wouldn't come to me, so I go to them. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? You talk about the schools, the, the school, colleges, the colleges and what have you. Right. So I want to I want to prepare the kids academically, athletically, and socially, and say let's go let's go present ourselves to that to to that. Um, University. Mm -hmm. I started years ago in a van. Yeah. And uh, and now it just grew to a bus because the exposure. So you teaching while you doing that. So we 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 traveling to different states. We traveling to different universities. You're being coached by uh, college coaches every day. You are you are getting the idea about what we said at. And at school and talk about because the kid don't believe that they can be in there. So now look at this. This can be you. This can be you. You see what I'm saying? So all that, but you got to be prepared academically, athletically, socially. You understand? So what you're exposed to helps them buy into what you tell them daily. You know, and then also I'm taking care of the university by saying this is what you're missing. You, you see what I'm saying? So it's all that. So it's just teaching all the time. It's mentoring all the time. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it's exposing your kids all the time. Some of the kids, they don't even know Lake Erie right there. They've never been off St. Clair. And they're right there by the lake. They don't know. You know what I'm saying? Because all they know is where they, the little circle that they stay in. There's a small world, and their expectations are only so much. That's right. You kind of open the door for them to think that way. One of the uh, young kids that you opened the door to, uh, Troy Smith. Of course, he's renowned Heisman Trophy winner, but he had a troubled uh, situation before you you, uh, came into his life or vice versa. Yeah, bossy kid. You know, I've been knowing Troy from seven, eight years old. Him and Ted went to the same church. You know, he was taken from his mother because you know how it go. You know, in, in a foster situation, always was he's smart as a whip. Um, but that's just troubled. You know what I'm saying? But so smart, and that's just because how he was raised. You know what I'm saying? You take a kid from his mother. And when they're young, and, and I think he went back to his mother about his ninth grade year in high school. So, you know, all that kind of stuff is going on, man, and, and you have to teach them, and I'm still teaching. It don't never end. Mentoring don't stop. But you mentor them, then they become mentors. I'm sure he has some young people in his life. No doubt. Right now, just like a lot of the kids that came through here. They're doing the same kind of thing on their level. Yeah, but the the whole concept, again, Academy is that. You know, now they might not let me do it that way, but the whole concept was to raise my own with it, and then they become teachers, administrators, to raise and teach the same thing that was taught to them. You understand? But you working in a district, and for whatever reason or why, you know, they always going to think, well, he can't develop those kids. Like, well, why? Just like you met James. James, now he's a teacher. He's a coach. He's giving what was given to him. You know, and he was homeless. You know what I'm saying? So now he back to give what was given to him. So that's how you make the world a better place. You understand? And, and just like I talk about education, man, <clears throat> you know, today you can't determine, you can't determine what kid has a mother and a father today. 
That's this is around the world. He said, it's not here. You know, I said, well, your mother is your parents' fault. I said, no. The kids are being raised by a cell phone. Yeah. That cell phone is the biggest distraction in the world today. You understand? Social, a lot of competition yeah. for influence, yeah, influence in the right way. Yeah, but social media that took over where, where, where the home and church was. You understand? They want their uh, approval from people that are faceless individuals that are, right. that are connected to them by that device. No doubt. As opposed to the person-to-person -person interaction right. yeah, when that we, you were raised yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, we still trying it. We can't, we can't teach kids and raise kids like we was because of all the, the, the social media, the mm -hmm. cell phone, the things that they're exposed to. So you got to be smart enough. You got to be a, a behavior analyst to, to change. You understand? Just like I say to to people now, I say the educators got to be educated to the people that they got to educate. You understand? They don't know them. You you can't come and say, "Well, I'm been doing this this long and it's over with." You can't sit up and teach the kids like we was taught. The kids are learning instantly. They on Instagram. You <laughs> that? <laughs> they are fast. You understand? You can't sit there because they, uh, their attention span is real short. Yeah. You understand? So you got to think like that as an educator, as a parent, as a leader, all that, all that, man. And see, you know, nobody wants to be a servant today. You know, don't nobody want to do that. That's all I want to do. Just serve, man. Just be a servant. What is a servant? A servant is somebody investing in somebody's development and well-being and not look for anything in return. And you can't quantify the impact that you may be having because that's really not in the forefront of your mind. It's not. You know, I mean, that's all I know, man. You know, I just, and, and, and I live this daily. It's not a day. I just left the doctor today and got to go back again today. You know, he asked me, well, what's wrong? I said, I don't know, man. I just, every day I'm in a stressful situation because I care. I don't know how, I think, I don't know how Darn to. you for being a feeling human. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do. You know, he said, I said, I'm not hurting. I just hurt for, for what I see, you know, and I don't understand why nobody else understands it. You know, nobody's nothing personally for me. It's just what is needed for everybody else. We the only people in position that can really make an impact in the world through through raising people and teaching, I mean, what is it? What what what? I do it every day. You know, you got to talk and mentor and and guide and teach every day here. Can't now, slack off. Can't. The day you miss, the day you lose. It's like playing the lottery. The day you don't play, the day he come. We're sitting in your office at what is known, if you're listening from beyond. Cleveland, Ohio, is the Ginn Academy, named after you, you started this. Yes. Take us back to the impetus for having this academy constructed and implemented uh, to change lives. Right, because I, just like I was telling you about how I got started, how I got started and then the things that I learned and saw, yeah. you know what I'm saying? You can't get that out of a book. You got to live it. I lived it. And I saw everything that brought a distraction to somebody's learning or raising or being taught. 
See, if some if I had some distractions in Coach Hubbard bringing me along and not and my behavior was wrong and my obedience was right, I wouldn't be here today because, you know, I understood it. So in my obedience, I was raised right to say, do what that man tell you to do. You know what I'm saying? So when I, the reason why I have the school is to give a kid an individual life plan because people, the kids need to be taught. They need to... And, and you and you got to give them love, passion, and understanding. You got to love them. You got to have passion with them. You got to give them proper understanding or we're going to lose. You understand? So we can be innovative and teach any the way that every kid needs individually. You know what I'm saying? You can't just have a cooker-cutter type situation and think everybody's going to make it. So how'd you sell that? How'd you sell that? I you sell. needed people. You needed people in the community to believe in your vision. You also needed money. Yeah. How did you well, sell I, that? I went to the to the CEO, hmm. Dr. Sanders, and told him just what I'm telling you. And he he said, Well, let's try it. He said, I would you know, I was one of the first innovative schools, because you know, we got innovative schools because you but if you had any ideas or things that you um think that you can make a difference in a in in a school they, that's when they had the innovative schools. That's how I was one of the one of the first schools, and I sold it to him, and then I did it, you know. But I was doing it already in the basement of Glenville. Yeah. So everything that I do, that's like I have youth support here. Youth support is me. You understand? And when, and a lot of time when I say that, a lot of time people say, "Oh, that's just again thing." No, it's not. It's me. It, I I got four hundred kids. I need. 20 people to have a cohort of kids that you become their mentor. You walk them to class, you chart them, just like I told you before, academic, athletic, socially. The parents can, can contact you, you do home visits, you do it all. That's what I did all my life. So I reproduced myself through other people. Yeah, you couldn't literally be an amoeba and split in half and quarters right. and And eights. touch everybody, so that way that no kid would, would miss. Everybody getting the same message. You understand? You know, a kid is failing in his classes. We don't want to wait to, to the end of the market period. They should know it that week. Mm -hmm. You have a report that you give out. So we have a report that we do that, that I want 100% out of every kid. So if that kid don't get, if it is at the end of the week, the youth support person do his report, if that kid don't got 79%, then I know why. Cause he got ten areas that we chart from. You understand whether you didn't, you was late to school or you didn't come to school. All those areas, you'll be you. You said this in class. You did this in class, or you didn't do this class. You understand? So a lot of time, kids come to school every day, but I can't get seventy nine percent. I get seventy nine percent because maybe he was sleeping class. Maybe. He, he was late to class. Maybe he was late to school. Something. So when a kid acted, I know it. I got a record of him daily, and I got a record of him weekly. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of times, I think people take that and look at it like we don't need it, but we do. You wouldn't have the kids that we have here if you don't go get them and teach them and raise them. You don't have no kids, man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
Ted, I can remember uh, you introducing me to Cardale Jones when he oh, was yeah. your quarterback. As exactly. a senior, and a lot of people don't know the very difficult upbringing he had. But I want to ask you about the feeling you had when he decided to do what probably 99% of the people thought he wouldn't do, and that was stay at Ohio State as mm -hmm. opposed to go pro. That was yeah, pretty well, radical yeah. at the time. I mean, that was his focus. I asked him. You know, we said in this yeah, office. You didn't co-wear some or no, anything. This is all his free will. You know, if you did whatever you want to do. You know, uh, we had, you know, we had Urban here a couple of hours before that. We couldn't make a decision until we talked to Urban. <laughs> so, you know, I called Urban and said, look, dude, you got to come here, man. We got a decision to make. So he flew in here on his way to New York, and he had just won that championship, sat in his office right here and talked about it. So Urban gave him my uh, a reason why he should come back because he would still play quarterback and stuff like that. But, you know, that changed. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, but anyway. That's what you expect the coach yeah, to say. Yeah. Sure. So, but, but anyway, that really wasn't a total reason. Cardell made that decision. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, you know, I went with it. You know, I wasn't going to try to tell him. I did. I was just concerned about the school part. Uh, was he going to play or not? You know what I'm saying? And that that was. And we need to hear that. And so he made his decision. But he, when he said he wanted to make sure he get his degree, he meant that. And he did that. And he did that. And this is the same guy that infamously had that tweet that he put out early in his career. Uh, and young, people made young. fun of that. But yeah. he was a kid just, he just expressing kid just his like, yeah. His he, opinion or his yeah. emotions, if the you emotion, will. Yeah. I'm here to play football. What's the school stuff getting that's, in my way? <laughs> that's right. You know, but whatever it was, you know, Cardell is smart, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, but that's a primate. You, that's a, him, Troy Smith, people like that. Without without this system, you wouldn't have knew no Cordell Jones. He would have been lost, you know, and, and there's tons of kids like that. Um, you know, so, you know, <laughs> It was tough, man, you know, but it's not tough for me because I deal with it every day. What's tough for me is that nobody else understands. And they and they, they, they find a way. It costs money to, to raise children today. It, it takes time. It takes innovation. You know, the world is totally different. You know, we didn't even have a cell phone. You know, we had pay phones. You had to walk to it and put your dime in. You know what I'm saying? You know, everything is at hand right now, you know, and and nobody understands me that if I don't do this and I miss a day, I'm gonna miss a lot and we're gonna miss some kids. You know what I'm saying? And I guess that that's the that's the you think in your mind you can't afford to 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 back away I a little can't. bit, and you, and God you'll continue to do me. this. He won't let you. You're no. dealing with, you know, the cancer that you fought for these past well, so many years. Yeah, but let me tell you about that. That's See, your slightest foe versus just dealing with these kids or getting these mm -hmm. kids to be better. Man, let me tell you about that, man. I You're going to tell me it was a blessing. I know that, right? No doubt. Right, let me tell you, that was all God's plan. See, you got to understand what you do, man, you know. Let me tell you, man, 
I knew once I was in the hospital while I was there. I was there because, you know, you people look at you, oh, he's doing a great job, da, 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 da. God put me there. He put me there for this reason. I know, like anybody else know, in mentoring, school, teaching, parenting, and that stuff is a dangerous business if your heart not in it because these are God's kids, and he going to let you know that. I was there, man, because... I think I could save everybody. God had really talked to me prior to that because I had people around me, and I'm the leader. I went, but around his kids, that's not true. And I tried to save those people, and I was putting my kids at risk. You see what I'm saying? So God, God let me deliver me into that. I'm telling you. So I was laid on my back with a disease that nobody beats. Yeah, it's pancreatic cancer, you know what I'm folks. Saying? This is not no small potatoes. Yeah, and I'm telling you the truth, man. This is no hoax. I don't care what nobody say. I live this. I've had some good friends that have yeah. not won that fight. So, so when I went in the hospital, I went in the hospital for a stomachache. I didn't go in and and and. God saw fit that this showed up. Um, when I went in, you know, I never thought what role I was going down or anything like that. But I knew that I was struggling with people, coaches and different things, people around, around the kids. But I thought I could save them. So God said, mm -mm. So he gave me that so that he can squeeze out of those people was really in their heart. So they started talking, because we hear pancreatic cancer, and you know, they telling my parent, telling my, my family, he's never gonna walk out of here, he's done. You know, he's 20% living, stuff like that. So other people start talking. The people, the same people that God really told me to get rid of. I knew that in my mind. They start talking. and said, well, next year when I have it, and I do this, I'm gonna do this like this, I'm gonna do this. And that kind of disturbed my wife and stuff like that. So it disturbed people that was hearing it. But God being who God is, you understand? I used to, people tell me, we're going to pray for you. I couldn't even pray for myself because I refused to. I refused to pray for myself because I'm not going to pray for myself when I know why I'm here. You Other people should be prayed for. Yeah, but I didn't care about that. I, I thought it was selfish. I thought it was selfish to pray for me, myself. I'm not going to do that. I know why I'm here. And when you talk about God being a deliverer, he'll deliver you in something, and he'll deliver you out because he really is that. There's a front end to disaster, and there's a back door <laughs> to get out of it. That he would do it. And, and, and so once I realized that, I didn't, I didn't worry about nothing I would, because it's going to be what it's going to be. But he did that. So when I got up and put my shoes on, tell it, I've been running every since. <laughs> and I got rid of those people. That's what it was all about. It was just that. You are wasting too much time on those people and their heart not in this. So I say that to say this. In education, 
in the school and all this. Everybody know who everybody is. And I say this to the staff and anybody. If your heart not in dealing with these kids, you need to go. Because I'm going to tell you, it's going to come a judgment day. I've been through it. You understand? And if you, that's when it's so dangerous for me to do this job. Because I know that. So if I don't have no power, anything that's within my power to do with it, with people, I'm going to do it. But sometimes we can go years and years and years at it, and the judgment day is coming. You understand? Because you're dealing with God's children, and you can't play with that. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a parent. I don't care if you the, the principal, the the, the the director like myself, if my heart not in it, you're going to pay. I'm telling you, man. I done did, I, I've been there. And I understand the spiritual end of that. And then this is a spiritual place. So a lot of times you got devilish people in the spiritual place. Your day is coming. You might, you might think you're getting away with it now. But judgment day coming. I'm telling you that for real. Ginn has taken Glenville to the state title game in football, but a title has eluded them. However, the Tarblooders have six track and field state championships. And while the object is, of course, to win, Ginn looks at the bigger picture of getting young men to become influencers to the greater good of their community. If you enjoyed our interview, please take a moment to subscribe on any one of the many platforms that this podcast is distributed to, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, of course, Anchor.fm, where it is produced. And if possible, please share this podcast with others. And as I would always say, thank you very much to Coach Ginn for his time and the chance to pick his brain. But most importantly, thank you to you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, and we hope to continue on with more of these types of conversations. So thanks again for listening to another edition of Tellage Talks.